Hey, this is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you are listening to the EA Podcast with Eric Allen. Take it away, EA. All right, thanks, Fitz. Speaking of Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm going to bring in a former Jets quarterback, Chad Pennington, right now on the EA Podcast. So what do you make of the quarterback situation here with the Jets as Todd Bowles announced this week that Geno Smith indeed did suffer an ACL tear against the Baltimore Ravens, and now the Jets will turn back to Fitzpatrick for Week 8 action against the Cleveland Browns. Well, when you look at the situation as a whole, Eric, um, you've got to feel at least halfway decent knowing that uh, your starter that started the season is back in in playing and under center, and, and uh, it's unfortunate that Geno didn't get a chance to show what he was capable of, of um, doing here the last part of the season. But for the Jets, you know, I think um, obviously quarterback play is important, and uh, Ryan has to play better uh, than he did in the first uh, six games. And if he does, then the Jets have uh, a good shot at really uh, bringing this season full circle and having a chance to be competitive. What kind of advice would you give Geno Smith? Now, as Todd Bowles said this week during a conference call, the guy has really suffered two bad breaks in consecutive years. Well, this is that adversity piece that you hear football players talk about a lot. And, you know, unfortunately, I faced adversity too when it came to injuries and things that were semi out of your control. And so for Geno, I think. The most important thing is his mental psyche. And realize that probably from a career standpoint, he'll have to start over and work his way back. He's no longer the drafted uh, quarterback that was looking to help a franchise. He's none of that. He's another guy thrown into the pot, and he has to now prove himself uh, based upon circumstances that were semi out of his control. Now, there is film on him, and uh, teams and, and general managers know what he is capable of doing, but there also is something out there that they may not know of that, that he's going to have to prove uh, when he comes back from surgery. Yeah, I was impressed with Geno after that game. He said, we're going to be fine. He's going to be fine either way. The most important thing is for the team to build on the success they had on Sunday. So to me, that showed... Uh, a level of maturation from Geno, and that was impressive because he could have been really down considering he had waited for his opportunity. Ryan Fitzpatrick, of course, started 16 games last year, threw a franchise record 31 touchdown passes. The Jets set a franchise record in terms of total yards produced, so Geno came into this season in a backup role for those first six games, and then he finally got his opportunity, and this is what happened. But during that emotional moment after the game, I was impressed with Geno. Well, I think that speaks a lot to his um, maturity level and what he's been able to do and, and how he's been able to grow uh, since he's become a Jet. And I think the uh, last two years have certainly been extremely uh, challenging for him, but uh, he's starting to learn how to handle it as a professional. And, and realize that it's you know it's a matter of time as long as he continues to work hard and, and is presented the opportunity, uh, he'll have another opportunity. We hope so, uh, whether that's in New York or, or somewhere else. And that's what you have to do as a player. You can't look at it really from a team perspective. Um, you have to look at it from an individual perspective, realizing that there's always a need for good quarterback play, and whether or not 
you're in the fold or in the mix or in the picture for one team doesn't mean that you're not in the picture for another team. And that's important. So it's important how you handle your business, how you treat people, and and how you play. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, very honest and forthright after the game, saying basically he was ticked off and he plays better sometimes throughout his career as maybe a ticked-off underdog. I'm using this in parentheses, ticked off. But uh, Fitz did say, hey, l- listen, it's tough when you lose faith of, pe- uh, of people within the organization. Todd Bowles said this week that, hey, listen, if Ryan Fitzpatrick, meaning pissed off, if pissed off means a transition to less turnovers, will take pissed off. What's your take on all that? Well, the take is that it's a production business. And so, obviously, for a quarterback, you want to feel supported um, and you want to have the belief from the organization and, and your teammates. But part of establishing that belief is playing well and putting your team in positions to win instead of positions to lose. Ryan understands that. And so, right now, the talking's over, feelings, forget feelings being hurt, and and who says what and who thinks what. It's all about producing on the field. That's what it's about. And in this league, uh, it's never about what you've done in the past. It's always about what you can do for me now and how you can lead us now. And so um, he has a great opportunity to reestablish himself, to play better football, uh, to gain confidence not only in himself and his teammates, but from the organization again, and uh, see if this thing can be turned around. It's a week-to-week league. You know that better than anybody. Uh, Fitz never thought he'd be in this position. I think when Bowles made the move to Geno Smith that Fitz likely thought he'd never start another game for the New York Jets. And now here we are just a few days later, and he's the guy again preparing for the Cleveland Browns. Brian, I think it's a, it's a really neat challenge for him because uh, this is difficult to do. Uh, to start off one and five, be benched, and then be handed the keys again. And so from a mental standpoint, that's a difficult challenge for him, um, knowing all the different uh, things that have gone through his head over the last ten days, you can only imagine. Never mind the first six games, which certainly didn't go the way he wanted them to go. So uh, he will get uh, certainly a chance to show what he is made of, both mentally and physically. And I think this team gets a chance to show what they're made of uh, and see how tough they really are, both mentally and physically, because there's no doubt uh, that uh, they can be 3-5 and five at the break. Uh, mind you, last year they were 4-4 four and four at the break. And so you're one game off. Uh, obviously there's a lot of work to do. When I look at the film, there's a lot of work to do. But at the same time, you have the opportunity to change it and to make it better. And so that's what I hope that the team is able to do. We'll get to the work here in a moment, but let's talk about some bright spots. Do you think the Jets might have find a, found a formula for success offensively with what they did against a beat-up Baltimore Ravens team? I know people are taking shots at the Jets and saying, hey, that's a, that's a beat-up team you played in Baltimore. But... You know this. Everybody in the National Football League is dealing with injuries, so I say no apologies needed. But when I look at what the Jets did offensively, 39 rush attempts, 22 
pass attempts. What did you think about that ratio, and is that something they can build off moving forward? Well, I don't think that is the, the true winning formula. I don't think uh, you can you can't have 40 rush attempts and let's say 20 pass attempts each game. That that's not first of all that's not going to score enough points um, because you don't have enough big plays. Uh, certainly, um, it does lend itself to say if we need to get into a type of game like that to win a game like that, we can. I think that's what that approved on Sunday is that they can win a game where they control the clock with the running game and and find a couple of big pass plays in a passing game and then you know win a game 20 to 17 so they've proven that they can do that and, and eliminate the turnovers um, but at the same time there's going to be games where it's going to have to be flipped and you may have to have another Buffalo game where you have to be extremely efficient in the pass game and put 37 points on the board there's no doubt you have a Patriots team coming up twice this year and other teams that can put points on the board. So you can't just expect your defense to uh, hold a team uh, essentially to uh, nine points uh, every game. That's just unrealistic. So uh, it's a formula that, that they know that they can use, but I don't think it can be used consistently. I think you have to be able to adapt to each situation uh, in each game, play complementary football, I think, if there's one thing taken out of Sunday's game, it's that for the most part the Jets played complementary football. And so uh, the defense was playing really well. The Jets' offense held on to the ball and won the time of possession, scored touchdowns when they needed to, and, and had a couple of big plays from guys. So uh, that that's what it's about is playing complementary football and just seeing how the game ebbs and flows and seeing where you need to make your impact. Uh, speaking of a couple big plays, how about Robbie Anderson, the rookie receiver from Temple? Chan Gailey, and you don't see this often from Chan, um, he runs an end around there with Robbie Anderson, a speedster, and he gets 30 yards. And then late in the game when the Jets were trying to seal his baby away, 24-16, a third long, Fitzpatrick threw the ball long to Anderson over the middle, and Robbie went up and got it for a 28-yard gain. That's got to do wonders for his confidence, don't you think? I think so, and I think uh, you know the Jets are feeling more and more comfortable and more and more confident in his ability to help them in the passing game. Uh, no doubt that he, he has a burst of speed that they can use to their advantage, and then when you mix him in with Anunua and Brandon Marshall, now you have three wide receivers that you say, okay, now we can do some things. Even with the loss of Decker, we're not completely limited. And so that's important as an offense, especially uh, the way Coach Gailey likes to use spread formations and things like that. So to see his production increase uh, is what you want to see uh, when you have an injury uh, with the receiver. So with Robbie Anstrom being able to come in and make a couple plays, that's exciting. Do you think Anunua's speed – surprise the Ravens on a 69-yard touchdown reception, or you just attribute that to a bust back there in that defensive backfield? Well, I think, first of all, he did a great job of finding the seam, and then it may have surprised them just a little bit because he outran about four defenders. Uh, they were in zone coverage and, and had defenders all around him. He found a crease and hit the crease, and they weren't able to recover. And so it may have surprised them at that point in time, uh, not thinking that he had that type of burst. 
so that was an impressive play by him to be able to take a simple 10 to 15 yard completion and turn it into a big play and a touchdown long run so uh, it may have surprised him just a little bit but especially with the with the, the run after the catch I don't think anybody on the Ravens defense thought they couldn't catch back up with it defensively what did you think of Sheldon Richardson I'm up there in the press box and all I saw was 91 all over the field making plays he was a handful all afternoon and he really showed what he can be in the National Football League at times absolutely and I think you know what you're looking for from that front four is consistency uh, week in and week out quarter by quarter uh, series by series and play by play uh, they certainly have to set the tone uh, if the front four can set the tone and control the line of scrimmage the way they did Sunday and, and a lot of times the way they've done throughout the year then that bodes well for the Jets defense that helps the back end uh, to where you don't have to put so much pressure on the quarterback with uh, extra man blitzes and uh, you know anytime you're able to control the running game the way that they did uh, that makes the team one dimensional and allows the defense to really focus uh, on the passing game so that's exciting to see uh, you know you still got to make sure as a defense that you're eliminating the big play uh, but that you know that just can't be your Achilles heel because what the big play does is that it completely um, voids uh, everything that you've done from a defensive standpoint. You could uh, have stop after stop, and then you give up a 60, 70 play, um, 60, 70 yard play. Then that just that makes everything else null and void. And so that's what you want to see uh, being able to be eliminated uh, from the Jets defense. And when, when they uh, take that away, uh, I mean, they're, they're very, very difficult uh, to compete against and try to move the ball. The Ravens, they completely stopped running. 12 rush attempts for six yards. Those six yards were a franchise low in terms of yards yielded on the ground by a New York Jets defense, a franchise low. And Joe Flacco put it up 44 times. I love what Richardson said after the game. He said, we're a team. I'm going to do what's best for the team. Muhammad Wilkerson was out of the lineup dealing with an ankle issue. So Richardson, who's played some outside linebacker at times this year, switches more inside, closer to the ball, playing that three technique. And, again, he had three tackles behind the line of scrimmage in his first full sack of the year. So we'll have to see what happens when uh, Mo comes back because the Jets, and you know this, Chad, they want to get their best players on the field at once, and sometimes that's going to mean Sheldon probably still playing some outside linebacker, I would imagine. Well, it's a good problem to have, but it's also a challenge as a coaches have to make sure that you want your best players out there, but you want your best players in the best positions to make plays. Sometimes that can be a challenge, and just putting them out on the field may not be the answer because especially if when you're trying to play to the strengths of each player, there may be two players that have the same strengths and you can't have them on the field at the same time. So, you know, working through that, trying to find that right rotation and mix and being able to create those one-on-one matchups for those big guys to, to make plays, that's going to be the challenge uh, uh, for Coach Bowles. So we finally saw some interceptions from the secondary. What can those plays, the buster screen pick, and then later the Marcus Gilchrist interception mean for the defense moving forward? Because you almost felt like 
when those plays happened, there was a sigh of relief on the Jets' sideline, and then the energy level went way up, not only in the stadium, but throughout the whole team because they ended up getting 10 points off of those two takeaways. I should say three takeaways because Brandon Marshall got into the act again, but the reason why the Jets were so close in the first place was the Gilchrist interception, and Brandon, uh, tremendous savvy on that play to get the ball back, and that eventually set up Matt Forte's touchdown. But screen started it all, Chad, because I thought that was a critical juncture in the second half. It's the third quarter. The Jets are trailing 14-13. to They're backed up in their own end. They punt it out, and the Ravens have a drive start at their 42-yard line. And you're wondering, is this the moment where it's starting to slip away again? Instead, Buster Screen jumps the route by the Jets' sideline, takes it all the way back. The Jets had to settle for a field goal, but the next possession, Gilly gets the interception, and the Jets are deep down inside Ravens' territory again. Uh, how much can that help this team moving forward, a couple plays like that? Well, a turnover by your defense, uh, like you said, energizes the team, energizes the crowd. Uh, and when you have an offense that has had some struggles and you shorten the field, then it energizes them and may create some momentum because that's what you're looking for on offense is a couple of plays to get back into a rhythm and create some momentum. And when your defense is able to do that and shorten the field and make the process a little bit simpler, that's huge. Uh, instead, of the de- instead of the offense having to go 70 yards every drive, they're able to go 30 yards, 40 yards, whatever, to create some points, uh, that just makes things a little bit smoother, uh, both from a tangible standpoint, but also from an intangible standpoint with energy and confidence. And so uh, what I liked about Buster Screen's interception was um, that was just one-on-one coverage. Uh, He understood what was being run by the offense. He understood where his help was from safety. He sat on the outbreaking route and undercut the route and made a great play. the second interception was just a bad read by Flacco, but it's nice to see uh, the Jets' defense capitalize on an offensive mistake. And it's such a huge difference between a pass breakup and an interception. And when you have DBs that are turning pass breakups into interceptions, that's huge. It's huge for their mental psyche. It's, it's really bad for the quarterback's uh, mental psyche on the other side because he doesn't get a chance to redeem himself and it really uh, certainly creates energy for your offense. How about old 2-4? I think he's getting into a rhythm. He was a guest on Inside the Jets this week on NewYorkJets.com, and it also airs on ESPN Radio, of course, 7 o'clock Monday nights from Calandra. There's a plug for you. But I talked to Reeve this week, and he said, you know, after off-season wrist surgery, he had to get his weight down. It took him a while to get back into shape, and then... The rhythm-wise, it just wasn't there earlier in the year, and then he had to deal with the hamstring issue, did not play against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I like what I saw out of him against Arizona in the loss. It was hard to find bright spots for the Jets in that loss, but Reeve matched up with Larry Fitzgerald. He started to show something. He started to look like he was coming on. And then last week against Baltimore, I thought he played very well again. So that's got to be very encouraging for this team moving forward. Well, I think sometimes as an individual player, uh, when you're challenged by your opponent, 
and especially by a certain player in uh, Larry Fitzgerald, that kicks you back into rhythm, and it's all about your mindset. And sometimes that type of challenge must be presented for your mindset to change, and I think that's what happened, even though, like you said, the game didn't turn out the way uh, the Jets wanted for Revis as an individual player, having that challenge and being challenged by such a great receiver kicks you back into the form that you're used to and the mindset and the grind that you need to be in. And and that's, that's half the battle, if, if not more, uh, as a professional football player is challenging yourself and being challenged to stay on edge and not to relax uh, and not to be complacent. And it's easy to do. And so these last two weeks you've been able to see um, Darrell really uh, step his game up and, and, and be the type of corner that we've all have grown to love uh, for him to be. And so that, that's nice to see. And I think he's stepping up as a leader. He t- told me, too, uh, that he tries to lead by example, and that's the way he's always went about his business. But after the game, I was speaking to Leonard Williams about it, and he said, Brevis brought all the guys together in the winning locker room after the game, and he looked at the team and he said, remember what this feels like. Because sometimes coaches will tell you, Remember the pain, the hurt of a loss. Revis looked around in the locker room, and this is not typical for him. He looked at the guys and said, remember what this feels like. Savor this moment. It's tough winning in the National Football League. And to hear that from Revis, uh, how much do you think it resonates throughout the room, especially for those young guys? Well, I think two things. Number one, uh, when you have a leader that leads by example and doesn't speak a lot, and when he chooses to speak, uh, people listen because he doesn't choose to speak a lot. Secondly, I think sometimes as a leader, your style, your leadership style has to change based upon what the team needs are. And so sometimes you may have a team where you don't have to say a lot because uh, you have other guys that can do that and you lead by example. Sometimes you have a team where you don't have a lot of vocal leaders and you have to now change your leadership style and be a vocal leader. I think that's what he's seeing. For most of his career, he hasn't had to do that. He's had vocal leaders in the locker room, and apparently this year he may have to become one of those vocal leaders if they want to change this thing. And Sometimes that's what has to happen, so that's nice to see. How dangerous is this game coming up? The Jets are 2-5. and they got some go- uh, got some things going in the right direction. They finally got that winning feeling back in the locker room. And then they look across from them and they see the Cleveland Browns. And I know you guys as players, you'd always say this, Chad, is that when you're watching film, you're not really concerned with the, what the records are or the stats. But with that being said, it, i got to imagine these guys, it's imperative for them to ignore the outside noise this week because – Everybody in the media, while they've been down on the Jets, are going to say, hey, this is a game that you guys should walk through and then see what you can do against the Miami Dolphins. But, listen, Cleveland's been in some games this year. They have some explosive players. You don't know who the heck's playing quarterback, but, you know, Hugh Jackson's going to have his guys ready to play. So how dangerous on the surface, you being a former player, is this ballgame? Well, right now, this is the most dangerous game, um, and quite frankly, it's the biggest game. Uh, if you go, if you get to two and six, forget it. You have no shot. You get to three and five um, 
with a two-game winning streak moving into the next part of the, the season, in the latter half of the season, still feel like oh, we've got a shot here. And so um, I think this is the biggest game of the year. It's, a, it's the biggest game for a lot of different reasons. It's the biggest game because of being able to get on a two-game winning streak and, and finish this second quarter of the season uh, at 2-2 two and two and feeling like you're making some progress. It's also big from a mental standpoint in going into a game knowing that everybody expects you to roll over a team. They're not going to just roll over Cleveland. That's not going to happen. But how they play and how they win this game is really important as far as the latter half of the season and being able to set the tone and the standard. Do uh, you have any World Series pick for us? As the Chicago Cubs uh, attempt to get their first title in over 100 years, I guess. I don't I haven't been following too much with the New York teams out of it, but uh, I know there's a lot of crazy Cub fans out there and then the Cleveland Indians. So the Cleveland's be suddenly becoming title town. LeBron James gets a championship for the Cavaliers for his hometown, and now the Indians are trying to secure a World Series. So you got any pick there? <laughs> no, I think it's exciting for, for baseball that uh, you have two teams that haven't had a championship in a while, and and so I think that always – that's good for baseball because, you know, in the NFL I think we are spoiled in uh, having enough parity in our league where, um, as a fan, you don't know who is going to rise to the occasion and have a chance to play for a championship. Historically in baseball it's been, you know, just your perennial powers because it's all about a money thing. But recently it's nice to see, you know, these other teams being able to come up and – start to buy for championships and, and use their farm system and not just have to go buy their players all the time. So I think that's good for baseball. Okay, and I promised I'd get to it. So you said the Jets have a lot of things they still have to work on. Give me three before we get out of here as the Jets head to Cleveland and Lake Erie in week eight. What are three things that they got to take care of uh, this week to keep things going in the right direction? Well, I think uh, two of them are are still things that we've talked about. Number one, defensively, continue to eliminate the big play. That's the only way an offense right now, when they attack the Jets' defense, I think offenses say, hey, just keep grinding and we'll get a couple big plays to give us some breathing room. Other than that, offenses can't look at this defense and go, wow, we're going to have a big day. That's the only uh, weakness I see right now as far as the big play potential. Uh, offensively, uh, I think um, turnovers, they still haven't proven that they can eliminate those turnovers. That's, that's, that's number one. And then number two, just making simple plays. Uh, you know, whether it be a simple completion and a throw from a quarterback, a simple catch from a receiver holding on to the ball in, in the red zone, all these different things. Just make the plays that are there. You don't have to press and try to force anything or try to make a play that's not there. Just make the plays that are there. If you make those plays, the harder ones and the more challenging ones will start coming your way. But when you don't make the plays that are there that are just gimme plays, you have no shot, and you don't have a shot to establish rhythm, establish momentum, and, and to be more consistent. 
And so that's what I see in the passing game, in the run game. Just make the plays that are there. And if you do that, you'll, you'll have a chance to be successful. Wow, the coach just came out in you right there when you talked about that third point. So defensively, eliminate the big plays, no doubt about that. Make them drive 80 yards and go one, two, three yards at a time, and it's third and seven. You can tee off, get Todd Bowles and Casey Rogers after these quarterbacks with some exotic blitzes, no doubt about that. The second thing um, uh, you just mentioned uh, offensively was the turnovers, and the Jets did not turn the ball over. Uh, well, Forte had a fumble inside the red zone. That could have been a killer, but uh, Brandon Marshall made up for it. You can't have the special teams breakdown like you did last week. Lachlan Edwards uh, helped uh, put the Jets in a hole, unfortunately, and the Jets rookie punter's done a tremendous job. But that third point really struck out to me when you just said, Make the simple plays. You can feel it. You can feel your stomach turn over when you're saying that. And the emphasis in your voice is that don't make it too hard on yourself. Make the easy play, and then you guys should be fine. Because if you don't do that, then you start forcing plays, and bad things will happen. Well, exactly. And so when I look at the game, I don't, I don't feel real good about you know how how the Jets played as a team, I feel good about certain parts of the game, but when you're talking about winning football and good football, it still wasn't there. Um, and so, uh, although you know you'll say, "Hey, we'll take a win," you know everybody takes a win, and you'll you'd rather learn from a win than a loss. But I think you got to really examine that win and say, "Okay, we're still not playing winning football." We have sparks of winning football and examples of winning football, but we don't have a full game of winning football. And that's what it's going to take moving into this latter part of the season if they want to get back into contention to be able to get back in the playoffs. So um, that's, that's what I see just with a critical eye, and I think if they're honest with themselves, they would agree. Well said, Chad. We look forward to catching up with you again this week.